You're listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. Now the largest new media platform on the web and your number one source for after-show entertainment. Very good, Keith. The AfterBuzz Studios in Los Angeles, California. Presented by Maria Menunos and Bing.com and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies. This is AfterBuzz TV's Scandal After Show. We'll break down tonight's episode and get you all the latest news and gossip. If you'd like to buzz in on tonight's show, you can buzz us at 424 256 1729. That's 424. 424- Two five six seventeen twenty nine, and now another post game wrap up show for your favorite TV show. It's After Buzz TV Scandal After Show. Woo! Hello, gladiators. Bing is for doing, and we are here doing another After Buzz TV After Show for ABC's new hit show Scandal. Before we do anything else, oh wait, wait, wait! Scandal season one. Episode 3, Hell Hath No Fury. But before we do anything else, first let me introduce myself. My name is Emil Ennis Jr. I'm one of the co-hosts here. Um, You can follow me at Emilio E. Jr. or check out my website, ChasingLA.com. And we're going to go all the way to New York for the main host, Mari Fagel. Mari, you there? Hello, Emil. I like I like you calling all of our listeners and viewers gladiators. I'm going to keep that up. But, yes, I love the title, Hell Has No Fury, dot, 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 like a woman scorned. And we have a special uh, co-host joining us today. Her name is Sophia Stanley. Uh, Sophia, I, I hear you'll be joining us every week. So, so you're a gladiator, yes? I am definitely a gladiator in the in a suit, and and DC is my hometown. Uh, once removed, both for undergrad and law school, I was there for ten years. It's one of my absolute favorite cities in the entire universe. So I'm All so right. happy well, that, that I, we're I'm talking sure you about can scandal. Give us the, the DC insider take. Maybe you'll be our inside the Beltway uh, uh, gal. <laughs> I definitely know where the skeletons are buried. <laughs> Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> well, there were lots of skeletons in um, in this week's episode. Like you said, hell has no fury like a woman scorned. And I want to talk about both storylines. Like I said, what do you guys think about this storyline A, storyline B? Uh, it's funny because when I've been hosting the Kardashian shows, of all things, we always talk about how it's storyline A and storyline B, and there's two of them, and it's very clear-cut. And we're kind of seeing the same thing here. There's always the new scandal du jour of the week that Olivia Pope and her staff are handling. And then there's the, the long-running storyline of Amanda Tanner and the president. So what do you guys think of, of the format of that, Emil and then Sophia? Um, I mean, I think it's working really well. I was talking to Sophia briefly before the show started. This week, they really nailed it down as far as getting the format of the show right. Um, The first two episodes, they were good, but this one was great just because we finally know the characters. We know the way the office works. We we pretty much feel like we're not newcomers anymore, and we've kind of adapted to the way everything works within the show. And so I felt like she could really focus on the plot this time, and it just went so smoothly. I was overwhelmed. I completely agree with what Emil said. I think it's almost now we're really a fly on the wall. Um, And we're watching from a completely different perspective. So instead of kind of getting to know the characters, you're just listening and you're feeling and and you're sensing and you're right there with every experience. It feels a little bit more raw, which personally I love. 
Yeah, I love that there's a one quick storyline that's in and out in the episode. They're able to wrap it up in the episode. And then there is this underlying scandal that is building up each week, uh, you know, because then that, that keeps us intrigued, like what's going to happen with the presidential Monica Lewinsky type affair next week. But then, you know, they still keep us excited with the scandal du jour of the week. And um, boy, do they like their, their bad boys. Because the very first episode we had uh, Felice St. James, right? So, and then last, last week it was a bad girl, I guess. It was it was the madam, the DC madam. And this week we have bad boy, playboy, Travis Hardy. Uh, so I want to talk about Travis Hardy's case before we get into an announcement, a special announcement by Sophia for all our AfterBuzz TV listeners and viewers. Basically, Travis Hardy, he is the son of Rick's CEO, Sandra Harding, um, and he is on trial for rape. Um, so what did you guys think when they first introed him? You know, when they walk into the hotel room, he has a blonde girl with him. He's on trial for rape. Uh, what did you think? First impressions of him, Neil and then Sophia? Uh, it was just like one of the, the jocks from college. That's what it felt like. He was just this rich dude um, who really had no cares in the world. Because to me, once I found out he was on trial for rape, if you're on trial for rape, that's something you're not going to want to miss. But as we see later on the episode, clearly he doesn't care because he thinks he can get away with anything because he has money. Um, so just like later on she says, perception is everything. My perception was I have no sympathy for him regardless just because of the way he carries himself and the way he was acting in the hotel room. So I, I completely agree. And, it, and I would actually go a little bit colder. I wouldn't even say a frat boy. I'd say a little 12-year-old. Like he was acting like a child because at the end of the day, not only is he, he on you know trial for rape, but he's such a public figure that he's fully aware that perception is everything. And it's almost as if he's doing it on purpose and kind of giving everyone the finger like I'm so rich I can continue to be a playboy and I don't really care if you like me or not because I'm still rich and I'm going to get off regardless that's true you know it was interesting because from the get go I could tell that he was telling the truth when he said he didn't rape Helen Fisher he did not rape the um, you know the star in this case and and I believed him so it was interesting how it all came down Basically, we end up finding out that this girl, uh, she, she's an angel, she works as a teacher, but she's broke, and when they try to settle with her for money, she goes on this whole monologue of, you know, if you were me, how much would it take for you to be able to forget having your fist in your mouth, having a fist in your mouth and wanting to kill yourself because it wasn't just a dream, it actually happened. And I thought, oh my God, what's going on? But big twist, turns out she was actually the best friend of Rachel Klein, the woman that he actually raped. What did you think of that twist there? Um, I just actually need to back up real quick because I think that the scene when they were, you know, at the negotiation settlement table, and I think that her monologue, that was just great TV. I mean, I think yeah. that, you know, even though this is only, we're only three episodes in, like, I'm absolutely in love with Olivia Pope because of her ability to not only stay calm, but to emote in such a natural yet confident manner and when the young lady was expressing and emoting, it was so subtle and not over the top that 
like the hairs on the back of my neck went up and I literally could see Olivia didn't know what to do. And therefore the only choice she had was to get up and to leave the table. And I thought that scene was just, it was amazing. It was excellent. Yeah. Um, For me, when I get in tense situations like that, when I'm watching television, like I was sitting watching it with friends. I remember I had to, you know, kind of lighten the situation because I was like, hmm, I can't really identify with her as far as being raped, but when she was talking about how much money would you take, I was like, well, I mean, $10 million is a lot. So, <laughs> like, I mean. <laughs> but I think but I think that's where it really got tricky because it's like, you know, we, again, even though we're only three episodes in, we trust Olivia's gut. And so we trust that she's right. But at that moment, it's almost like Olivia was questioning herself. And, right. and, and what does she do? She always trusts her gut and what her gut is never wrong. But I thought that that was such a pivotal moment. And... It was integral, I think, to the next scene and then the next scene in finding out that she wasn't, in fact, raped. However, you know, everyone, I presume, has a best friend or a sister or a mother or someone that they love dearly. And it showed that just because a crime happens to an individual, that's not the only person affected. And it was obvious that this best friend was so affected that it was as if it happened to her. And even though she made it up... There was a moment at the end when I did feel bad for her, when they were cross-examining her, Mm -hmm. even though she had lied and she had changed her hair color and she had basically, in essence, stalked him. You still wanted to root for her because you kind of couldn't fathom that this, you know, kid who really isn't a kid, he's 27 years old, you know, of a mother who runs a major corporation could be so flip in his response, given the fact that he had raped someone and gotten away with it, you would think that he would show up to court on time and think, OK, I got away with it once. Let me make sure that, right. you know, this person isn't able to, quote unquote, tell untruths about me and potentially for him to go to jail. Right. Yeah. Sophia, what I thought you said was interesting was when you said, you know, even though she set up this guy, we end up feeling bad for her. When the prosecution is laying into her and they say, you set us all up, you've tried to get him to notice you, and he's laying into her, we feel bad for her. So I thought that that was a really interesting twist. I don't know how likely it is for this to actually happen, for a best friend to take revenge like that. I think revenge is a big theme on television now with that, with that other hot ABC, ABC show, but I thought it was really interesting. That's something I wouldn't have ever even thought of to, you know, um, to bring back the honor to her best friend who has killed herself to then do this, to change your hair color, stalk this guy, get him to notice you, have self-inflicted wounds and make up this story so he gets in jail. Finally, even though it's not on the original rape case, it would be on this. Um, so I thought it was really interesting. And just kudos to, to the writers here and to Shonda Rhimes because that's a storyline and a twist I wouldn't have even thought of. Well, I think I got really weak um, or we saw Olivia's vulnerability in the courtroom because that moment where she was listening to them interrogate the witness and cross-examine her and she had to get up and leave the courtroom to go talk to the mother. I mean, that moment, I was just like, whoa, just because the way she portrayed that and she was just sitting there like, I can't I can't be in this room. And I think it kind of goes to Olivia's morals and values and her ethics because you don't really know like who's the good whose side are you on and she didn't really know what to do in that situation like yes I'm helping my client but at the same time 
Like, what do you do? No, I completely agree. And I think that, you know, Mari, you brought up a really good point that you said that there's a certain aspect of the storyline of seeking revenge that is unrealistic. And I think, though, that what this did was there's often a difference between what's right and wrong and what someone can legally prove. And simply because the law may not be on your side does not mean that those feelings don't go away. And part of being in a civilized society is following the rules. And I think that you know, even though we're early in on in the season, Olivia follows the rules. People think that she skirts the rules, but she doesn't. She really has a sense of morality and ethics that that she has to live by. It's it's the it's the core of who she is. And so I think that her literally and figuratively leaving the courtroom speaks volumes because I think it lays the groundwork that no matter what she has to adhere to her morality. And she was literally turning her back on something she did not believe in. And I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. You know what point I thought she brought up that I thought was interesting was when Olivia Pope said, and this was before we figured out exactly who Helen Fisher was, but we had an instinct that uh, she was lying and she wasn't telling the truth. Olivia Pope said, in a case like this, perception is more important than evidence. And we see that all the time in high-profile cases, in George Zimmerman, in, in John Edwards, in, in so many of these scandalous cases, in Casey Anthony, you know, the perception to the public and to the jury sometimes is more important than the evidence. Once it gets to jury, obviously, like we saw in Casey Anthony, you really have to decide on evidence. So you have to find jurors who haven't made up their minds yet already and are really just looking at the evidence and not the personality in the person. But, you know, when you look at this person, when you look at Travis Harding, he, all those jurors, you know, you heard them. I love that. I love that uh, Olivia had her gladiators go out and follow them and listen in. And all those jurors are saying, oh, like, he's guilty. He did it. And they don't even know the evidence yet. They're in their third day of trial. But like she said, perception is more important than evidence in a case like this. So, so I thought that was really interesting and very applicable and apropos for uh, today's legal environment. Well, I think we had a good moment when Quinn was inquiring about, uh, you know, what do we do? And we, we basically lost. So what do we do now? And then Olivia said, you know, I don't lose. We're going to appeal. We're, we're going to please the client, essentially. Like, I don't lose. And I, I love her persistence because no matter what, Olivia is going to get the job done and she puts everything aside. It's not about right or wrong. It's about making sure the client is happy. Completely. And when she says, it's my name on the door, right. I never give up or I don't give up. I think that that was the that was the gauntlet of her saying that she is her own perception, i.e. her reputation is the only thing that she has. Think about it. Olivia is a fixer. Why? Because she fixes things. The minute that stops happening, she loses all credibility and all power. She has full access to the White House. Why? Because they know that she's honorable. They know that even though a problem may be egregious, she's still going to walk the line like a gladiator. And I think that's why everyone roots for her and they respect her. And even though it may not to keep with the gladiator analogy, it may get bloody and it may be a fight that at the end of the day, she always has honor. And that's really the most important okay. thing. I want to ask you guys about how this storyline ended, because basically she did what she needed to do for a client. She got him off the hook. But then she turned and her, her moral kicked in high gear here. And she showed up at Sandra Harding's door in the middle of the night and said, you need to turn your son in. If you want to be a good mother, you don't blame yourself. But you got to turn him in. And, you know, Sandra tries to convince him to turn in himself and he doesn't. 
what does she do? She calls the cops on her own son on the previous rape charges or the rape, uh, the previous rape case. Um, I thought that was really interesting because, you know, you hear her so much say, like, we serve our client. We're here for our client. We're not the defense. We're not the prosecution. We, you know, our client is our customer here. And this client, she kind of turned on him. And so, you know, I thought that was very interesting. And I think that's why she's such a likable character, because it's not realistically in, in the real world. If someone is there to serve their client, they're going to do what's best for their client. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. You know, they, they cross that moral line. But she doesn't do that. She knows he did rape someone in the past, and she's not going to let that fly. So, um, you know, I don't think it's very realistic, but I thought, you know, it really makes your character very likable. What do you guys think, Neil? Well, it kind of happened after a situation with the president, though, which the president keeps yeah. interfering with her her personal life and her gut and her all this stuff because after that situation happened which we're going to talk about later so I'm not going to go into details then she's like <laughs> oh okay now I'm going to go to the house and you know you have to talk to your son like it is your fault like it's all these emotions that build up so it's like until she deals with her own personal life she can't properly see what's going on around her I, I completely agree but I also think that he's not her client it's technically her mom Mother. and the company that's the client and as her client, the scene when they were outside of the courtroom and, and, and his mom turned to her and asked, what sh- could, should, should she do? She asked, what did I do wrong? And I think that, you know, if Olivia Pope is anything, she is a counselor, a rabbi, a preacher. She really is that, that, that confidential person, that conciliary where people really look to to basically gauge their moral compass. It's, it's knowing that even though you're a mother and that, that you want to protect your son, you need to lean on someone who, who, just like she said in an earlier scene, never says no and literally always speaks the truth. And I think that Olivia had to come back and really clarify because Olivia said you did nothing wrong. And I think it was so poignant that she said you didn't do nothing, anything wrong. But at this point, you know that your son is a rapist, not an embezzler, a rapist, one of the 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 most heinous crimes that that one human being can do to another. And I think that, you know, the the scene with the president touched on her her morality in a way that I think she recognized who her client was. I think it it actually heightened and reminded Olivia Pope who Olivia Pope was, which is a fixer. And she had to fix that relationship and that dynamic of a mother and a son and what a mother's role really is. And I think another thing we have to remember, too, is if you go back to the beginning of the episode when she first had the meeting with her, she said, as a friend, you know, you're going to give it to me straight. So if Olivia was truly going to give it to her straight, she had to go back and she had to do what she was supposed to do. She had to go back and tell her, you know, you are wrong. Your I mean, your son raped this girl and he's still trying to get off. He still wants to, you know, go to Europe and then come back and run the company. Everything will be perfectly fine because I'm rich and I'm this playboy and everything's going to be great. It's going to be great. But that's not how it can go. (laughs) It can't happen that way. Well, Amelia, you did bring up a good point that I think that, you know, her her change of heart here and uh, pleading to Sandra to turn her own son in did come directly after this uh, showdown with, with the president and with um, with Cyrus. I want to get into that, uh, but Sophia first has a quick announcement for all our AfterBuzz TV listeners and viewers. So, Sophia... Uh, the floor is yours. Well, that's actually a perfect um, uh, segue because, you know, the, the next scene that we're about to talk about is is the state dinner, which is an absolutely amazing event in Washington, D.C. And it's the who's who of politics, the who's who of, of, of global politics, international politics. But for some people, it's also, you know, the, the number one place to really showcase style and fashion. 
Um, and oftentimes, you know, a lot of us, I know I do, I go on Amazon.com and I can purchase, you know, various things. And one of the things here at After Buzz, you know, we all do this because we love it. Um, we, we love TV. Like we're, we're truly fanatical about television and I'm truly fanatical about Scandal. And one of the things that you can do is you can simply go on um, After Buzz TV and there is a link to Amazon. And just simply by c- clicking on Amazon, it will direct you there and you're able to purchase whatever you purchase. And there's no additional cost, but it's kind of like, you know, Amazon will will give us a little thank you present for for sending you there. So just like I said, you go to AfterBuzzTV.com and you click on the Amazon link. And what that does is it just takes you to the normal Amazon site and you buy things just as you normally would. There's no increased cost to you in any way, shape, or form. But it allows, you know, Amazon just to say thank you back to AfterBuzz so that we can continue to talk TV and scandal. <laughs> so yeah, if you could do All that, right. that would be great. So well, thank you. Thank you, Sophia, for that announcement. And like you said, it allows us to continue to talk about scandals and scandal the show. So let's get into the biggest scandal, yes. uh, the underlying one that we've gotten into every episode. And boy, did the plot thicken this week with Amanda Tanner. Um, I just have to say quickly, this plot line started out with, you know, Emil, I was talking to you last week in our first show about my favorite part of Olivia Pope is when she does her negotiations and she dresses people down and she has these insane monologues and she's such a strong actress. And the great Olivia moment in this episode was in the Amanda Tanner storyline when Gideon shows up and she's trying to convince him to stall the story. And she says, oh, you know, that was a great piece you had about how the cherry blossoms are late to bloom. Really interesting. And so then she said, you keep Amanda's name out of the paper for 72 hours, and I'll give you some background on her and a quote. Otherwise, all the real reporters will snatch the story out of your cub reporter hand. Boy, did she dress him down, and boy, did it work. Because let me tell you, as a, uh, as a journalist, that kind of negotiation, you know, we're, we're willing to get the story no matter what it takes. If someone dangles in front of you background information and a quote from the source, you're going to take it. So um, I thought that that was very good handling of her, and I love that monologue. What did you guys think? I was blown away. I was like, that was just genius. And then she gets in the elevator, and she's like, it wasn't a meeting. Like <laughs> she like <laughs> she continues to blow him off and just shoot his ego down. Like you 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 don't have any control in this situation. I'm Olivia Pope. Bow down, bow down. That's basically what she's saying. <laughs> I completely agree. But I think that what she does that is so brilliant is she really touches upon who someone is. Basically, what's their motivation? And just like you said, Mari, you know, as a journalist, your number one goal is to get the story, and not only just to get to the story, but to really to cross check your facts. I think that it's sometimes something that we forget about in journalism that there is a difference between journalism and entertainment. And so I think what she was saying is, hey, I can give you something that someone else doesn't have, and it's it's directly from the source like how much better does that get and I think that she kind of has to unnerve you first in order to make you listen and I think that's really what she's doing when she's undercutting people she's not doing it as maliciously I think as people think but she really is kind of slapping you in the face (laughs) so that you kind of wake up so that now the next thing she says to you you're purely listening and you've kind of gotten your ego out of the way or that she's reminded you that she's Olivia Pope and therefore that you have to listen or else you know 
you could potentially be picking cherry blossoms versus writing about cherry blossoms. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what I liked about the storyline this week compared with the other week is they left a lot of questions that they're going to have to slowly answer. It was very much like Lost. There was a lot of questions here. Um, so one is, well, first, she asked, do you have any proof? And Amanda says, um, you know, she she says, I have proof, but I won't tell you until I'm ready. I'm pretty sure the proof is, and we'll talk about this, the baby in her belly. But that was one question. What's the proof? The other question is, so she basically says she wants a face-to-face, one-on-one meeting with the president. And Cyrus is about to set this up, but then he gets this mysterious CD of, an audio recording of the president and Amanda Tanner having sex. Who sent the CD? Who put it in his mailbox? Cyrus. I don't think it was Amanda. <laughs> I don't think it was Olivia. I'll let you. I'll let you answer. I really it's don't. Cyrus. I, I don't it is, but I don't know. I know who it isn't. I, it's not Amanda and it's not Olivia, but I don't know who it is. The other question is who keeps calling Amanda because we keep we you know we. She says, oh, Gideon's calling me. And then we find out he's actually not the one calling her. So who's calling Amanda? I'm not very good at predicting these types of things. Uh, Sophia, I see you're chomping at the bit to answer. So I'm going to let you answer. And then, Emil, you take a stab at it. I'll keep it really quick. It's totally Cyrus. It's it, There's no doubt about it. There's no... Because at the end of the day, we had seen, I think, in, in a previous episode, scenes of the president and Amanda together. And it was presumably in the White House. Even though she had access, to have access to put a mic in the White House, they must scan things, bug things. The fact that there aren't, quote-unquote, microphones in the actual Oval Office, it's Cyrus. Because at the end of the day, Olivia Pope or someone else would have sent it directly to the president. Cyrus is pragmatic. You would never go after him because he actually is the protector, if she had sent it directly to the president, it would have merited or garnered an emotional response, which is exactly what they want. Number two, and I cannot believe I'm saying this, presidents should never, ever, ever, ever have sex with AIDS. Too much of an imbalance of power, hostile work environment, sexual harassment, I could go on and on and on. However, I don't like Amanda. I don't like her at all. Something about her seems dishonest something about her seems like she has an ulterior motive wherein she potentially could have set the entire situation up that's my prediction as well as the fact that olivia isn't playing olivia's game and she didn't get here by potentially letting what a client dictate how they're going to strategize so i i think it's, it's so many things coming to play that there is no phone call. We never heard a phone ring. Olivia Pope is so astute that if a phone rang, she would have heard it. Everyone can pick up their cell phone and pretend like they're right. talking to someone, especially how then she references that it's Gideon. There's no phone call. She's setting something up. I think Cyrus sent the tape because he made the tape. Amanda's lying. I don't like her. I don't trust Cyrus. I don't trust Amanda. Gideon's not gone for good. He's definitely not gone. He's going to come back. And, you know, I, would th- I think it would be funny if... Amanda actually knew about the whole Olivia president situation the whole time because I feel deep in my bones, I feel like she knows the whole situation that happened because she was the White House aide. She's making this whole thing up. She's getting Olivia's head. Something's going to blow up at the end of the season, but we'll. I don't trust her. I just don't trust her. I think Emil has a crystal ball. I think Emil has a crystal ball. I trust her. Mm -mm. I trust her. I just think that she has her guard up because I do not remember that Olivia dressed her down when they first met. So she probably has her guard up. In terms of Cyrus, 
I don't think he's the. I think he is trying to manipulate the situation now, but I don't think he's the one who sent the CD. I think the CD is what spurred him on to start manipulating the situation. Why would because they? Why wouldn't he have said to Olivia when they when she first asked for a face to face meeting? He was like, "Oh, that's not going to happen," and she was like, "That needs to happen." And he was like, "Okay, I'll make it happen." He could have just said, "No, no face to face meeting." So I think that someone else sent the CD, which then spurred him on to intercept. And I thought. He was really playing Olivia at her own game when during the state dinner, the president tries to meet with her at their spot and he intercepts and he tries to play Olivia at her own game because he dresses her down. He's like, you know what? The upside is you can write a book, some dirty bestseller on having an affair with the president 20 years, you know, 20, 30, 40 years down the line, um, which is funny because that's ripped straight from the headlines with the book that came out a couple months ago of the, uh, the intern who had sex with JFK. Um, and then he also intercepts the president who's at the spot and says, Olivia's not coming. Uh, you know, she was twisting the knife all along. I'm sorry, sir. So she plays, she plays Olivia at her own game. He, he but, sets them both up. Um, but I still don't think, I still don't think he's the one who sent the CD. I have a couple. Okay. So the key thing to remember, though, is they're all playing the game. They're all playing the game. And then another thing is, how did Cyrus know where their spot was? Did anybody question that? Uh, oh, that's you're spot on. How did he know oh, where their spot was? Oh my goodness, was? you are spot on. Oh my goodness, completely. If he just found out about the affair, and they haven't had this affair in quite some time, she's moved out of the White House. She's doing her own thing. How did he know where the spot was? He he said, "Meet me at the spot." He didn't say, "Meet me in the garden behind the flower bush with the the yellow rose." He said, "Meet me at our spot." So how did he know? I completely agree. I think Emil just that. I guess that, he knew about oh, the affair for much longer. Exactly, than he which is on. why I don't trust him. I don't trust him. I completely agree, and I also think just going backwards a little bit, that, you know, the scene when when he was having lunch and and uh, Olivia, you know, came and they they had the reference of the fact that you know she used to be his work wife. You know, I think he really feels betrayed, and I think he feels that you know they've had a secret and they didn't let him in on the secret. I completely agree. There's something about his reaction, even when, you know, they're playing the audio tape and the way that he says to the president, stop. Now you listen. It was extremely disrespectful because every other place, you know, in, in previous episodes and, 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 and up until that point, even when he is arguing with the president, he still addresses him as the president of the United States of America. At that moment, there was a lack of respect that literally showed that something else was going on. And to me, even, you know, his his um, face-to-face with Olivia, it wasn't simply saying to Olivia, oh, in 20 years you can write your book. He said, you're a presidential whore. Yeah. That, for someone who has worked together, they, they, have, they had comments that they basically are the reason that the president is the president of the United States of America. That was his former work wife. He called her a presidential whore. There's yeah. something going on. It's showing that even though he's normally pragmatic, that there's an emotional undertow that's coming into play, as well as the fact that, you know, he routinely says to the president that the president is too idealistic. The president is new, too naive, that if the president was more cynical, it would be easier for him to be president. There's a lack of, of respect that he has for him that I think he's he's making his move. I think the president has shown his weakness and 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 in the fact that he's still obviously pining for Olivia and letting you know, his trust for Olivia, in essence, trump his trust for Cyrus. Because at that moment when he said Olivia wouldn't do that, and Cy says, yes, she is, the president has to make a decision who he's going to trust. And I think that even though the president seemed to side with Cyrus, 
Cyrus can see that the president doesn't tr- doesn't really trust him. And I think for good reason. Right. Yeah, but the question here is, I'm also wondering, so I'm pretty sure now that Cyrus knew about the affair all along. The question is, did the first lady know all along? Because we the, the episode opens or, you know, the presidential scene opens with him not being able to sleep. And then later on, he says, why did you invite Olivia to the state dinner? And she said, "Um, you know, I trust that tonight you'll sleep like a baby. So I think she knew. I think she knows. Of course she knew. Well, because she didn't just say that. She said, you needed to see her. Before she said, I trust you'll sleep like a baby. She said, you needed to see her now. And then she had a long, dramatic pause now I trust you'll you'll sleep better. You'll sleep like a baby. Like she has her own motives. Something I don't trust her either. <laughs> that was the, <laughs> that was the last person I wanted to say, but I wanted to wait until we got to it. That's the last person I really don't trust her. Yeah. She has some type of agenda because keep in mind she's the first lady, but she has her own political agenda that she's trying to get to too. Because even though she's the first lady, if you notice, she sees it as a role that's bigger than just the president's wife. I'm the first lady. I have power. I'm going to use my power and you're not going to bring me down with you. I completely agree. And I think that the earlier scene when she allowed, quote unquote, allowed the president to sleep in, I think that was a power play. That was reminding the president that regardless of whether or not you're the president of the United States of America, I run things. And basically, that's what she did. She allowed him to sleep in because her, her, her naivete at saying that, you know, people die from not getting enough sleep was so not in line with her character. She's obviously a very smart, sophisticated woman. That's something that that someone who isn't well-versed with politics and the fact that he's the president of the United States of America, you know, sleep is not of the utmost importance. But I think that she was really doing it to say, at any given moment, I can make you turn a different way. And then I think that directly related to to her comments about Olivia. And I think that, you know, it's one of those things where I think not only does she have an ulterior motive, you know, it is that whole saying, you know, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. And I think that's exactly what she's doing. If we can go back, though, I forgot to mention this. When Olivia walked into the ballroom, I was just blown away because she is so sexy. And when she walked into that ballroom, yeah. that white dress, I was like, oh, like, whoa, what, what's going on here? <laughs> No, and I completely agree. And I think even just um, uh, later when she's dancing with Billy and, you know, Billy was like very bluntly said, like, I'm trying to figure out how to sexually harass yeah. you. You know, and I think that it it one of the reasons that I think that I this show is absolutely amazing. And I think that it could not have been set in in a, 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 a better place than Washington, D.C., and especially in the White House, is that you have such strong, amazing women. But I think that not only are they strong, they're also very feminine. And I think that, you know, whether or not you take a cue from, you know, First Lady Michelle Obama, I think that the storylines add so much more depth because we're not dealing with flat characters. We're dealing with very intelligent, sophisticated, sexy women. And I think that Olivia Pope commands a certain level of respect. And I think that the way that she walked in, in the white dress, I mean, remember from the episode before, like, my white hat is bigger than your white hat. I think that there's a certain aspect of symbolism of, you know, she's really the good guy. And the way she walked in so effortlessly and so simplistically, I mean, I think that it, it, it shows that there is no hidden agenda with Olivia Pope. I think that Olivia Pope really is very much who you see is who you get. Because even when she's emoting with the president, it's obvious. It may not be obvious to everyone around her, but I don't think that she holds back who she is. Don't look at me. Don't yeah. look at my eyes. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, I know Brilliant. we have a lot of uh, 
news and gossip that will kind of give us a key into uh, what's going to happen with this storyline of Amanda Tanner. So I want to get to that and a quick commercial break. But before we do, uh, let's just finish up the Amanda Tanner storyline. What I love here was um, her second negotiation tactic with Gideon the reporter to get him off the story and keep him keep him happy for a little bit because he shows up for his quote. He waited 72 hours. He deserves his quote. But a lot of shit happened in those 72 hours. So instead, she offers him an exclusive that he can't refuse. She offers him the Sandra Harding interview of why she's resigning and why she turned in her son on rape charges, which is a bombshell story. Any journalist would take it. She is really working Gideon. Um, I have a feeling Gideon is going to start wising up to her her negotiation tactics here because he doesn't want to get off this Amanda Tanner case. But I totally love that. Uh, So I want to talk about that. And I also want to uh, get your thoughts on the fact that Amanda is pregnant, and then we'll go to a quick commercial break. So, uh, Emil and, and Sophia, what do you think of that? Like I said, Gideon is definitely not going to go away. I mean, it's a, a great thing that she gave him the story, but if anything, that helps him because he's going to get this story and then he's going to move on up the ranks a little bit and he's still going to want, like, nothing beats this humongous story with the President of the United States sleeping with one of his aides. She tries to commit suicide. This whole background that's going on here, Olivia Pope's trying to help him. Okay, yeah, we have this millionaire whose son it's not even a big story when you think about the president and what's going on with everything in the white house right now so yes a great story to help him you know get to that next platform but he's still not going to lay off on the case and especially with this whole quinn gideon thing because quinn's not going to let him go because now quinn is like okay he's gone but i still kind of like him because he kind of likes me and you know i want to keep talking to him and then something's going to happen there i don't know if she's going to mess up because we don't know her background you know what she's there for so Actually, it's so funny. I agree with Emil 110%, but Emil just touched upon something that I think is is brilliant, and I, I just have to touch upon it. There's something about Quinn that's a little bit too naive. She's obviously an yeah. attorney, and she's obviously an attorney it's with kind a... kind of back- annoying. Com- but but it, it's, it seems fake. It, 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 it's genuine, but there's something about it that doesn't sit right with me, because for her to be an attorney of such a level that she... Even though she obviously sent in a resume to work with Olivia Pope, they, in essence, went and they recruited her. So there must be something about her that basically makes her, in essence, the top of the top. And given the nature of the way that Olivia Pope runs, Olivia Pope and Associates, it literally is quick thinkers. Like, you you don't ask questions like, what happens when we <laughs> lose? It's like, do you think that they lose? And is that really an appropriate question? So I say all of that to say that I think that not only is that storyline going to grow, I think... I think that there's something to be said sometimes for playing dumb. And I think that's what she's doing. Because again, perception can work both ways. You can either kind of step out as a gladiator and then someone knows, okay, well, I'm not necessarily going to come at you with a sword. I'm going to come at you with an Uzi. Right? Right. Or you come out as a weak duckling and then I think I have you beat and then you demolish me. So I think there's definitely something going on there with that dynamic. And I definitely think Gideon is not going away. Cause just like, uh, you know, Emil said, it's the president of the United States of America sleeping with an aide. And the fact that they make references to the Clinton administration, I think it's brilliant tying in real life. And we all know how close that came to potentially toppling our semblance of democracy and politics. So yeah, there's no way that storyline is going away. There's no way that Gideon is going to back down. However, I think that I still like the underlying theme that Gideon is honorable. And I think that there's something to be said. I feel like this storyline as everything plays out, 
it really is. It's the test of good versus evil. I don't think they've they've kind of honed in on that, but it really is. It's honor versus no honor. And I think that Gideon has showed himself to be an honorable person. So I, I, I think he's going to be rewarded. Well, I'm glad that we got to talk about the entire Amanda Tanner scandal uh, for this week. But I want to get to the news and gossip because we have some interesting interviews that I think will give us some hints into what's happening next. So let's go to a quick commercial, bra- uh, quick commercial break, and then Neil will give us the news and gossip. After Buzz TV. I was once like you, a lazy, angry loner whose only joy was watching TV and surfing the net. And like you, after I'd see one of my favorite TV shows, I'd be so excited and have so many questions that I'd actually have to talk to my douchebag coworkers about it at the water cooler. Then I discovered AfterBuzzTV.com. AfterBuzzTV produces after-show webcasts and podcasts for TV series of all kinds, like post-game wrap-up shows for all your favorite TV shows. AfterBuzzTV hosts are industry insiders who break down episodes of shows, take calls from fans, and interview cast and crew from each series with over 60 different after-shows, from Boardwalk Empire to American Idol to Vampire Diaries to Real Housewives and more. Now, after a night of TV, I can ignore my stupid co-workers, who I hate, and go straight to my desk and watch or listen to all my favorite AfterBuzz TV after shows and have all the TV fan interaction I need. Thank you, AfterBuzz TV. AfterBuzz TV. What do you want to buzz about? We back. All All right. right. (laughs) So... Before I get into news and gossip, first of all, Gladiators, we went to number one on iTunes podcast on Sunday. I tweeted Columbus Short and Katie Lowe's, who plays Quinn, and they both retweeted. We were number one. We got so many views on YouTube, so many comments, so many likes, same thing on iTunes, so many ratings and comments. So please continue to do that, especially with our wonderful new co-host. He's a great addition. So please continue to give us comments, feedback, what you like, what you don't like. We really appreciate it. Now for the news and gossip. Um, in the Hollywood Reporter... Oh, after TV news. <laughs> so um, in the Hollywood Reporter, Tony Goldwyn, who obviously plays the president, um, when asked about the Amanda Olivia situation is how um, Amanda's now her client. He said that he feels that she knows him better than anybody and she has lost faith in him. He feels as if this is not fair because she doesn't have all the facts and her anger, pride and her heart have gotten in the way of her judgment. His feelings are very complicated about it. At the bottom of his heart, he has some faith that Olivia will ultimately see the truth of him eventually, but the house may have to burn down in the process, so it's terrifying. So what's the truth? Amanda's lying. That has to be it, right? And then, later on, it says, um, so should we root for the president? And he says, whatever failings he may have as a man, he is uncompromising in his leadership style, and he is willing to suffer politically for what he thinks is right and is in the best interest of the country. He comes up against a lot of people who are not happy with Fitz. He's quite tough, but it's all because he leads from his heart. I think same with Olivia. They both have this heart thing that's bothering them. And then last, the last thing I found interesting in the article was Melly, his wife, the first lady. What Melly knows and doesn't know is something that will come out in a very interesting way. Melly is like Cyrus. She's a real strategist and a practical woman who's able to differentiate between what she's struggling with personally and the demands of their relationship that is a real partnership. And then he says, a business partnership. Which goes on with what I was saying. She has her own motives and they're just doing this. What's your what's your take on that? Um, I totally agree because, I mean, I think that he, he he's speaking so clearly because... 
he's never made any any secret to the fact that he loves only one woman, which is Olivia. And again, I think he's pointing to the fact that not only has Olivia lost faith in him, Olivia is his moral compass. You know, Olivia is who he turns to to make decisions on who he's going to, you know, um, nominate for the, the, the Supreme Court of America. It's obvious when saying business relationship, not only is he saying that he potentially is in love with someone else, you can have layers of love. He's really saying that his relationship with the first lady isn't one based on love. It's based on business. It's based on strategy. And even, you know, her small scenes of the way that she comes in and out of 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 the Oval Office, it's always business related. And even though they seem to be cordial, they seem to be lovey-dovey, there's something about it that doesn't seem authentic right. um and and i think that he is clearly saying those two people <laughs> Cyrus and the first lady are not someone that they they're they're not only are they pragmatic i think pragmatic means that you are maneuvering versus olivia and the president i think it's it's you can actually you can guess their next move because it's always going to be based on heart you know even though and i'm not sure if they've stated it clearly but even though he's republican he is very to the middle he's a republican with a heart you know in in the beginning of the scene when he talks about is that not kosher to say <laughs> obviously it's obvious which way i lean he's a republican but he has a heart my bad i think I've, i was in the district and and i definitely had had have very definitive uh political lines However, you know, the scene at the beginning when when he is speaking to the veterans and he, you know, literally states that the veteran had to salute him with the wrong hand because, you know, he had a prosthetic is brilliant. And it and it, and it touches to the humanity of who we are as Americans, regardless of whether or not you're Democrat, Republican or independent. And I think that that's why we love him, regardless of whether or not he, you know, was unfaithful. You almost continue to root for him. And there's something about Millie. And I think that that's really what he's saying. He's saying that the first lady and Cyrus, I think the fact that he grouped them together is a clear indication that they, that there's something going on and then they can't be trusted. Right. Um, okay. And okay. Then... Well, wait, hold on. I want to oh. comment on oh, it. Because oh. while you two are like not trusting everyone under the sun in this <laughs> show, you know who I don't trust and you guys seem to like? Is the president. I said this in our first episode. I think he's a skeezball. I think he's pretty superficial. And I don't think there's much to him. There's like there's so much com- there's so many complexities to so many of these other characters, so many levels and layers to them, to Olivia, to Cyrus, Quinn, and uh the president, I just think he's just kind of like a skeezball. I don't know. I don't trust him. That's all I could say on that, but Emil Go on to your next bit of news. <laughs> All right. He is a skis ball, but I still kind of trust him. Um, and then Henry Ian Cusick, who um, many people know as Desmond from Lost, he did an interview this week and he said, when I left Lost, I read the palette for Scandal. I really liked it. And there's a line in it that for me was the hook. He said, when I say to Olivia in the cloakroom, I'm not a good guy. That was something I could get my teeth into. There's more layers to his new role. And with Steven, he gets to explore dimensions of a real bad boy, someone without true love as a moral compass. And then he says, you know, when people see him, they don't say Ian or Henry, they say Desmond. And now he's looking for fans to say Steven. And I think that's really important because, you know, a lot of actors, they get this major role and they get typecast into that role pretty much for the rest of their career for some people. And so it's really important that he's trying to break out of this role and say, hey, guys, I'm Steven now. So, um, And then the last story I have, there's a little bit of scandal and private practice beef this week um, from the fans, just because, as you know, scandal is the newest Shonda Rhimes thing, but private practice was the last baby um, that's doing well. Um, 
But a lot of private practice fans were a little upset because it returned this week on Tuesday nights as opposed to Thursday nights after Grey's Anatomy. So they were like, you know, what's going to happen to private practice? Is it going to be canceled now that Scandal's on the air? But Shonda Rhimes went to Twitter to her 150,000 followers and said, you know, Scandal does not determine where the private practice stays on the air. You watching private practice determines where the private practice stays on the air. Same thing with Scandal. So when you guys watch Scandal... You need to tell your friends about it, share it, and then after that, tell them about our after show and tell them about After <laughs> Buzz and watch all the other after shows on After Buzz TV. So that's all my news and gossip for the week. All right. Well, thanks so much, Emil. I want to get into uh, some quick predictions. So, shall I cue the creepy and prediction now, music? Your After Buzz TV predictions. <laughs> okay. First off, I want to say I'm predicting that now that Olivia is, like, finally souring the president and, like, she, I don't think they're going to have, like, too many, like, romantic moments so much since Cyrus and so many people are involved. I think that her and David, the U.S. attorney, are going to start heating up because did you notice, like, he was, like, run, running, he was running and he said... Maybe we can be friends, and I don't know. I, I think we're going to start flirting between David and Olivia. Well, remember I hinted at that last week. I said in my prediction, I was like, I think, you know, David and Olivia might have something going on because it's that love-hate relationship they have, and, you know, it's going to lead to a little bit of tension, then come along later, and, you know, kiss here, kiss there, then we have another scandal. So I agree, and I think also, too, you know, where there's hate, there has to be emotion, and I think that, ironically, they're very much the same. They're they're fighting the same fight. And that's why I think he, in previous episodes, has said, like, I'm the good guy. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't be your enemy. And I think that, especially with the shift in the president no longer potentially being her good guy or her, quote unquote, you know, knight in shining armor i think that there's there's a space for 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 david to come in and i think he's actually shown himself to be honorable and i think he's shown himself to be the type of person that she would respect and i think that that i'm not going to say that the only thing that's important to olivia is professional morality but i definitely think that she is what she does and so i think she respects and responds to other people who act accordingly and are basically honorable in all facets of their life and they take their work very seriously because i think she truly considers herself a gladiator and i think that david is proving himself also to be a gladiator so i, I think it's only a matter of time yeah. that that something happens yeah besides the two of them i definitely think huck, uh yeah huck and queen need to already hook up already i yeah. mean he loves her. You're I don't weird. know if Quinn is like as up to speed with the love as he is, but he definitely loves her. So I, I hope they happen soon. But I want to ask you guys just with the prediction of what's going to go on. The last we found out, really the last word was I'm pregnant. Um, what do you guys think? The, the next question is when she, are they or when will they tell the president she's pregnant? All I'm thinking is she has a big leg up on this now. So what do you guys think? I don't know because if you guys saw the preview for, I don't know if it was just next week or what was coming for the season, it just looked like even though they have that that secret, it doesn't look like it's going to be enough. Like the president is still the president and he's going to find a way or at least Cyrus is going to find a way to make sure that this information doesn't get out. So don't underestimate Olivia Pope is powerful. But remember, as he likes to say, he's the leader of the free world. He has a lot of power under his belt. The only thing that kind of actually left me a little, I guess, unnerved or kind of a little bit upset was 
I feel like Olivia isn't being Olivia. And when Quinn said to her that Gideon was telling the truth and that basically she, you know, obviously you hire people because they're also helping you with your moral compass. And even though Olivia, you know, they don't really vote and it's really Olivia's show, that last scene and the way that she spoke to her and said that you, that she basically is going to stand beside her regardless, but she needs to know the entire truth. I'm not buying it. And remember, I, remember Stephen, when Stephen was trying to confront her and he was saying, you know, are you sure you're doing the right thing? And she kind of just blew him off like, you know, don't don't. I'm sorry. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to help Amanda. And you don't have any say in it. Exactly. And I think that what she's doing, what she shouldn't do is. And again, and, and I and I and I love this storyline because it so punches me in the gut because, again, I don't like Amanda. But at the end of the day. She is she is seeing herself in Amanda and she shouldn't. At the end of the day, something about Amanda does not seem honorable. Something about Amanda doesn't seem strong and fierce like she is a gladiator. And to me, for Olivia to in any way compare her illicit affair with the president to that of a aide, that's the mistake she's making. One more thing before I forget, Mari. Sophia, wait. Sophia, I have to ask you quickly. Did you ever watch the show Gilmore Girls? Because one reason why you might not like Amanda is because she is the actress who played Rory Gilmore's arch nemesis on that show. Why are you telling my secrets? You obviously also know where the skeletons are buried, and that actually could be part of it. But it's also, and this is what it is, and, and it even kind of goes back to what you're saying about the president. I actually agree with you that the president is, does not have as many dimensions, but I think that what he is is he's basically just, you know, a young boy. He's a young boy who has an idealistic view of America and how we are as Americans, which I think is amazing and, it, and it's youthful and I, and I love it. The problem I have with Amanda Tanner is there's something about her that seems cold. There's something about her that the way that she seems entitled, even the way that she speaks to Olivia Pope, she still had an affair with the president. And again, I can't even believe I'm saying this because again, presidents sleeping with aides are wrong on too many levels, but in the construct of a, of a, of an, of a made up storyline, she still cheated. Like, she fully knows that the president is married. He's the president of this free world. Is that us being cut off? Yeah, well, we'll- <laughs> Am I going to dance to the music? I can hear it in my headphones. I was like, wait a minute. That's them telling me to wrap it up. <laughs> we'll wrap it up. <laughs> well, we'll get into all of that next week. The pregnancy, Amanda Tanner's storyline will continue. Maybe you guys will start liking her next week. I don't know. I like her. Probably not. Anyway, no. thank you, Sophia and Emil, both of you and everyone. Stay tuned. Same time, same place next week. Bye. From Bing.com, executive producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Bye. Bye. See you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 